0: All right. Hey, go and pull out your worship guide notes. Hey, as you do that, I want to just cast a little bit of vision this morning. Um, Our church has been going through some tremendous things over the past few months. Uh, For those of you who have been here, uh, I've been here for uh, almost four years, but four years in Easter. Uh, Time flies. Uh, Hasn't it, Phyllis? Time just flies a lot. And so I came here with one child uh, and one in my wife's belly, and now we have three kids. So uh, there's one thing to mention. If you come to the Rock Church, uh, you're going to be pregnant. So uh, just, it just happens. Uh, we tell people, don't drink the water or don't look at your wife because it just it just happens. I don't know how. Um, but uh, with that and with the growth, there's a few things that we'll be doing. And we'll jump into the message, but I just feel like we need to press on this because as soon as spring hits, like real spring, we know when you know, flowers come up and grass is green, not the spring we're having now. Um, but when that happens, uh, usually there's there's some great growth that comes with the Rock Church. Um, and I just want to cast just a little bit of vision. One of the things that we're trying to do is with our parking lot. Uh, it, it's a little, uh, we still have some few spots out there right now. Uh, but Over the past few weeks, uh, we've been completely packed with like maybe one or two parking spots open. So we're just asking, if you're able-bodied, you know what that means, if you're able-bodied. There's some open parking spots in the grocery store next to us along with some of the small businesses over there. Um, They're closed on Sundays, and they said we can use their parking spot. If you're able-bodied, would you do just a huge favor? This is a really, really big ask. But could you guys park your vehicles over there and leave some parking spots for some uh, new guests that come on Sundays? And so if, if, if you're elderly or if you have little ones, we encourage you, please use the parking spot. Um, but I know a lot of us, we take two vehicles and those things. We just want to open up some parking spots with some of our guests. Can we do that this morning? Is that, is that okay? Yes, not? I'm kind of just kind of seeing out there. Okay. All right, all right. Um, so with that, that's something right there. Um, uh, the next thing with that is on Easter, we'll be having two services. We'll be getting invites here in the next couple of weeks for two services, 9 and 11 o'clock. 9 and 11 o'clock. Um, and I know if you look around right now, it's like, oh, my goodness, like, do we really need two services? The answer is yes. We need two services, and that is a need not only for our kids but also for our sanctuary. Uh, we have a very unique thing here at the Rock Church where we have almost just enough as kids as we do adults, which is interesting, and so uh, for every person here is we have another kid in Kid Rock, so we have revamping Kid Rock uh, wing downstairs, so there'll be some messes there, um, some good things happening, Um, but we're going to have two services, 9 and 11 o'clock, and what does that mean for you guys? Well, I'm going to be explaining over the next few weeks. uh, We're going to ask for those of you who are going to be here, uh, can you do us a big favor and just chip in on that day? Could you uh, serve in your area? Uh, There's a thing called Sit One, Serve One, where we're going to ask you, your team leads will be in contact with you. If you can maybe serve one service and sit in on another service, that'd be a tremendous help because usually what happens is our numbers double on Easter. It's usually the trend's been happening since we've been here. So it's just really, really good problems to have. Amen? Just some good issues to, to have with the Rock Church. And uh, we're going to be experiencing growing pains, but these growing pains are going to be worth it. And that's exactly why we're going to be going through this series called Exponential. Can anyone say Exponential. One more, one more time, church. I know it's a big word, exponential. Exponential. This is a brand new series called Exponential, and we're going to learn that as we live in this life, uh, we're not called to live in the moment. I know uh, we see those Christian, uh, even some Christians uh, saying this, or even some on Facebook, but they always say, oh, just live in the moment. Love. Uh, Live in the moment and like pixie dust and stuff like that. Um, I get what they're saying, but I read scripture and I really see God telling his people, um, don't necessarily live in in the moment, but actually be part of the movement that I've called you to be a part of. Don't live in the moment, but be a part of the movement that called you to be a part of. And this is a, this is a short series. It's only a three-week series that I believe that's for all of us, but especially for those of us. And this is kind of the big deal here. This series is going to be really key for us, for those of us who have settled in our faith. For those of us who have settled in our faith. Now, I'm not going to stay here and say, that's you, that's you, that's you. That's not me. Uh, Trust me, I have been there. I'm preaching that even this past year. I have been there. And so I'm preaching uh, to myself as I'm preaching to you guys this morning. But this series is for those people like at one point in your life, you knew that there's something more for you. And you felt like God has so much for you. How many of you guys have been there? Like, like you just were on that mountaintop and God spoke so clearly to you and you came away from the mountaintop experiencing thinking like, man, God has that plan for me. And if you guys have ever been there, which I pray that you have, or if you have not, maybe you'll, you'll, you'll get to that point. But you come off kind of what we call a spiritual high and you're thinking like, holy cow, like God's got some really, really big plans for me but then life happens man life can hurt and as life has passed by and maybe not much has happened you decided just to settle a little bit like you knew what god said but maybe some weeks have passed some months some years, or the story that we're gonna look at, even decades have passed. And you're wondering, did, did God forget about what he spoke to me? Like, did he remember what he promised me? Like, I heard him clear, I knew what God said. Did he forget about me? This message is for you. And this looks like so much to, it, you know, it could, it could look like a single woman who, who's praying for a, a godly man. W- women, you, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you're praying for a godly man, and she was praying for the specifics of who she was wanting. She was praying for the godly man that, you know, he had his own house, uh, good with money, amen, right? Uh, loves Jesus, uh, maybe six foot or taller, like you're, you're getting there. Uh, maybe uh, wants to be a good dad one day. And then she prayed and prayed and prayed some more, and then a few years passed and nothing happened. And since nothing happened for a few years, maybe she began to settle in her prayers. Her prayers turned from from a guy that wanted to be a great dad and a big Jesus lover and had his own house and all this stuff that she was just praying just, just for a guy. Like, a job is optional at this point, God. It doesn't matter if he has debt. I mean, as long as he's a dude, that'd be really nice. Um, you know, maybe I can convert him to Jesus once I meet him. Uh, that that might be that that might work. Um, and maybe we'll figure out the whole dad thing later. We'll work him into that. You see, we're we're some of us have settled a little bit from the things that God has promised us. It could look like a a parent wanting to be the best parent. Like, you want to read the books to them every night before they go to bed. And not only do you pray with them, but you pray over them. And they have three square meals a day. And they have the best birthday parties. And after having a kid for a few years, I mean, you're, you're just doing good if they eat the leftover pizza from the night before for breakfast that morning. Right? Come, I've been there. I still do that. Don't judge me. But maybe we've settled. Like, you knew where God has called you to be, but it doesn't seem like you're getting there in the time frame that you wanted it to happen. And so moments have passed by, and for some of us, those moments seem like days. They seem like weeks. They can seem like years. And because of that, we're sitting there like, God, did you forget what you spoke to me? And because I think you forgot, I'm just going to lower my expectations just a little bit. Almost like we're saying, God, like, if you couldn't meet that, let me lower the bar for you. Maybe you can meet that in my life. You see, this message is for those of us who have maybe settled and our expectations like you had the high hopes and the dreams of doing something with your life and you just want to maybe start your dream job you want to start a business or become an entrepreneur at home and or so maybe you you start but if it seems like the first few months they they were just kind of slow and you just wanted to quit and you just just decided you know just if I just get a paycheck that would be okay because here's the deal church Our God is a big God, and when he created you, he created you before you were even a thought in your parents' mind. And with that in perspective, our big God put in place in you big plans. And so many times, if God doesn't act in the way or the time frame we think he should act, we just lower the bar almost acting like we're helping God out. I think there's a lesson to be learned. You see, I don't know about you, but... I have been in a place where I know God wants to do something and I get excited for his plans. But when nothing happens for a while, I get very discouraged. Yes, even as a pastor. Yes, even as a Christian, I get discouraged and I lower my expectations. And you can even see it in my prayers where I prayed one day, God, you're a big God, and I can't wait for what you're going to do. And then maybe a year has passed, like, God, are you there You see, and this is what we're talking about in Exponential. This series is all about that. It's for those of us who have been waiting for something to happen, but it looks like nothing's going to take place. And so we settle. And there are many reasons why we do this. I mean, I'm not saying that we're all the bad guys in this, but I think the biggest reason is when we settle for the spiritual things is because when we get something from God and get a glimpse of the plans he has for us, we start out with really, really big faith. It's really, I, I don't know, maybe some of you have, like, been to, like, church camp growing up. Like, how many of you guys have been to church camp? Like, I've been to church camp, and I get on fire, and some really great things. For those of you who don't know, like, you're brand new to this. You're like, church camp, what is that? It's like when we go away to, like, a camp or retreat, and we're just immersed in, 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 in the God things that God has for us. And I, I remember walking away from that stuff, just on fire for God, and he gave me a glimpse of his plan for me. But then, guess what? School happens, and then life happens, and that fire begins to dwindle. I think it's because we settle for the spiritual things, because when we get something from God and get a glimpse of the plans that he has for us, we start out with really big faith, like, wow, God, like you, you, you want to do that in my life. And sometimes it can even seem daunting, like almost unrealistic. And you get excited, and so you do what every person does. I mean, you pray to God to make it happen, like he told you. And so you start out every day, and you pray, and you pray, and you pray. And nothing happens. So what do you do? You pray a little harder, and nothing happens. And so then you go back to God, and and so you pray once more with a little bit more earnest in your words and still nothing happens. Maybe you do this for a few months, and then it turns into a year, and then it turns into two years, and it turns into five years, and nothing happens. And your faith, while it started, like it was big and bold, almost seems like it, it kind of just dwindled to, to, to nothing. I mean, have you guys been there? And I, I, I want to show you a story here in Genesis. I believe it's starting in chapter 12. You can turn your Bibles there. Genesis chapter 12. I want to show you the story that someone has some really, really big hopes. And just like this series is called Exponential, here's, here's the thing about exponential. We're not going to jump into scripture yet, but you can go ahead and get ready. The word exponential is an interesting word. Here's what it means. Exponential is actually an adjective, meaning that's used to, de- to describe something that's increasing dramatically. Uh, we think of the term exponential when it comes to math and science, like an exponent, right? Um, I really was really, really bad at math, so I'm not going to go there. I was even worse at science, so I'm not even going to go there. But I do remember this, this thing called exponents where it was, like, it was like 10 to the nth power, meaning that this number was so large we had to dwindle it down to an exponent just so we could have a number for it. You see, God is like that. In fact, there is no numbers that we can possibly conjure up that can sum the big and grandness of our God. We can't put an nth power to God and say, he's, he's this big. This is his exponent. And that's why we call this series Exponential, because our God is exponentially big. He has exponential plans for your life, and he wants the best for you. And that's really hard to fathom. And if you grew up in, in a small town, Midwest culture like I did, it's almost like, I see where I'm growing up at. Could God really do that in me in this place? I mean, I grew up in a town of like 15,000 people, which in Nebraska I know is considered a city, and it was considered a city in Montana. But I see where everyone was at, and I I saw how maybe some of my grandparents have lived, and I saw how my friends lived, and just like the small town stigma that small towns get, it says, man, it's, it's almost like you're just stuck here. Right? It's like, can we really get anywhere? Can can, can God really do that? And here's the thing I want to get back to. It says that there's going to be a revival that breaks out before Jesus comes back. And it's not like you have to go to a big city to experience the bigness of God. His Holy Spirit lives in you, which means you can experience the bigness of God right here. Right here. God can be exponential right here in North Platte. And that's why we're preaching on this. So here's the big idea. If you can write this down, if you can get anything from the series, this is the big idea. You have no idea what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. Say that one more time. You have no idea what God may produce through a single seed planted in In faith. I want to talk today about a couple out of the Old Testament named Abraham and Sarah. Uh, This was a couple that God had really, really big plans for. Like, if you thought God had big plans for you, Abraham and Sarah, like, their plans were like on steroids. That's not how big it was. It was such a massive, massive. Plan and Abraham and Sarah. We're going to pick up in Genesis chapter twelve, uh, verse one. Sarah and Abraham were traveling, and the Lord has some great plans, and He let them get a little glimpse of it, just like how God gives you glimpses of His plan for you. This is this is what He was giving them. This is what it says. It says the Lord has said to Abram, right there. Uh, just kind of that's actually Abraham. His name changed, uh, but we're gonna. That's not really to this. But this is what God is saying. He says, "Leave your native country." your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. Before this, it was just Abraham and Sarah. Like, they weren't a part of of a country. They were kind of just roaming around aimlessly. They didn't really have a purpose in life. And so God is saying right here, he says, not only do I have a plan for you, but through you, I'm going to birth a really big, great, powerful nation. He says, I will bless you and make you famous. Oh, that sounds great, right? And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you. Curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. So what was the plans about Abraham and Sarah? He's pretty much saying, do you know what? My plans for you are so big, it's actually not going to impact you, but it's going to impact the rest of the world. Like, that's some, like, superpower plans from God. I mean, if God approached you here in North Platte saying, hey, I'm going to make the whole world be blessed through you. God, let me hear you one more time. Like, you know where I work and I'm in North Platte. Um, A lot of people think we're actually in Wyoming. So, uh, like, do you know? Like, Like, you heard me correctly. I'm going to bless the world through you. And that's what he was saying with Abraham and Sarah. Great God-sized plans. God is going to ask them to leave their homeland, which is usually kind of necessary because God will always have risk. And for those of us who are adventurous, we we take that on. And they're going to give birth to a great nation. so if you can put that in context with what he was saying, he said, you know what, I'm going to birth a great nation three, which means that they need to have a baby. So put this in context for today. Abraham is here, got a God plan from God, now they need to have a baby. What usually happens, at least in my case, like it seems like when you're trying to have a kid, everyone around you is having kids. Like, have you noticed that? Like, Abraham and Sarah, they got the God plan. They're trying to have a kid. They're in their community group. They, I know they didn't have community groups back then. I'm trying to put it in today's culture. But, like, they, everyone else is getting pregnant. I mean, Sarah's on Pinterest having, like, the reveal plan and all this stuff. And Abraham, he's saying, oh, I don't really care. But he really, really cares about this stuff. Like, guys, you know what I'm talking about. And you got the name if it's a boy and the name if it's a girl. And you got the, the balloons in the box to be the big reveal to brag to everybody who you're having. And they're doing all this stuff then a month passed by while everyone else is finding out that they're expecting they come up empty so what do you do not a worry that usually happens right well try again and so you try again and the second month happens and come up empty the issue was that Sarah and Abraham couldn't conceive a baby but what do you do when that happens? Like, you've got God-sized faith. you know what God promised you? And so you're like, you know, God is bigger than my biological issue. Like, we can get beyond this. And so they, they, they keep trying, and the second month went by, and there's no pregnancy. And then the third month, then the fourth month, the fifth month, sixth month, the seventh month, eighth month. Nothing. Then the nine months came, and everyone else was rejoicing that they were having a baby. And Abraham and Sarah are sitting in their tent with nothing in their hands. What do you do when God gives you a glimpse of a great plan, but it seems like nothing is happening? Well, like most of us Christians, we say, you know what? Sure, it's a season. So we'll keep going, we'll keep going, we'll keep going. Well, let me tell you, Abraham and Sarah, they kept going for years, and nothing happened. There's actually a really pivotal little two words in Genesis chapter 12 that were, it's, you see the whole thing listed there, but there's two words in there that starts off in Genesis, uh, sorry, Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. It says, it says, sometime later, that's what my translation says. Some time later, why is that big? Because if you would actually study that and you want to exactly how much time passed, it wasn't like a few years. This was actually, scholars says, at least a decade. Most scholars actually think more than that has passed. And this is why this is big. And it's huge to know exactly what it means because it will put things in perspective and you can see exactly how much time has passed. Let's just pick 10 years. Sometime later, 10 years, Abraham and Sarah still have no baby. If you put that in terms of pregnancy, that's 120 disappointments thinking God is not working in your life. But here's the issue like, we thought we heard God, right? Like we, we knew what he said. We knew the plans that he has for us. Like 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 ten years later, God, are, are you still there? Did you like promise someone else this? I mean, or at least in my case, how I feel like God, did I do something wrong? Like did I mess things up? Did you forget? Do you not like me anymore? Am I useless? Some time later can you imagine 10 years of waiting for God's promise to come to life in your life? I mean, we get upset when we don't think God does anything with the first few months. Imagine 10 years. You see, this message is for those of us who we know God spoke something to us and time has passed, or in this case, years passed, and it looks like God isn't going to hold up his end of the deal or he forgot And we see that and we lower our expectations. And here's the deal. When we lower our expectations, we tend to take what God has promised us into our own hands. That's usually what it means when we lower our expectations. Look at Genesis 16, because this is exactly what Abraham and Sarah did. They lowered their expectations and they took God's promise into their own hands. Time has passed. Abraham and Sarah have no baby so they're going to start helping out God. Look what happens. Genesis 16, it says this. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. Please don't name your daughter Hagar. That would be a very weird name. Verse 2, Sarah, that was funny. You guys can laugh at that. I mean, if you're going to name your kid Hagar, I mean, that's between you and God. Um, I will be praying for you. Uh, but so Sarah said to Abraham, says, the Lord has prevented me from having children uh, so go and sleep with my servant. Sounds like a great plan, Sarah. Good job. Uh, perhaps I can have children through her. So Abraham agreed to Sarah's proposal. So Sarah, uh, so Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abraham as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abraham has settled in the land of Canaan, which means 10 years have passed, no children. Sarah says, hey, I've got a grand plan. How about you sleep with our servant, She'll have a baby, and that could just be our baby. Great plan, right? Let's read on. So Abraham has sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarah, with contempt. Can you cue, like, the, like, the drama music with this now? It's like a soap opera going on. And so, with, with contempt, Sarah said to Abraham, she says, this is all your fault. Poor Abraham. Like, I... I listen to my wife, and this is what it gets me. She says, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Oh, man, have you guys ever got there in your arguments before? <laughs> like, God will tell us who's wrong. So Abraham replied, look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarah treated Hagar so harshly that she fan- finally ran away. Here's the thing, church. When we lower our expectations of what God has promised us and we turn to our own devices, our own efforts, what we actually do is we take our trust that was first in God and we place it in ourselves. And so we think, okay, not by God's effort it will be done, but by my effort it will come to completion. But here's the problem with that. Every time we try to do things on our own ability, when it comes to God-sized things, we mess things up. Like, it doesn't go according to plan, at least for me. And when we mess things up, we really mess things up. The the issue lies in the fact that a promise in God will never come to life through our own effort. That's something you should write down. The promise that God gives you will never come to life through your own effort. It'll never come to life. It will never happen. If you constantly try to make things happen that God promised you by your own effort, you'll fail every single time, even though it looks like a great idea just like Sarah had her great idea. It'll never come to life. In fact, here's what the angel said that would become of the son that was birthed through Hagar. In Genesis 16, it says, The son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He'll raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Now, why is that important? It's because there's natural consequences when we take God's promises into our own hands. There's natural consequences. And so I put that as a warning because when we have settled, just as I have settled before, we lower expectations, think we're helping God out. We're actually taking that trust in him, putting in ourselves. But when things begin to get messy, we can't blame God because we're the ones that did it. We mess things up. Church, do not take what God has promised and to make it come to life through your own efforts, it won't work out the way you think it will. But here's the good news, all right? Here's the good news. Because while we trust in ourselves and we mess up things, it does not mess up God's plan for your life. I mean, that's how big our God is. Like, we can think, holy cow, I messed it all up. I blew it all up. Oh, Lord, what are you going to do with me? Are you done with me? And God says no. Because I'm the one it created you. I knew how you were going to work. My plan is so big in your life that you can't have a mess up so big enough that it messes me up. Because here's what I love. God is always on plan A in your life. God is always on. He does not have a backup plan for you. I mean, our church, is, is this registering a little bit? Like, God has a plan for your life, and you cannot mess it up. Your calling is never taken away. In fact, Scripture says the calling will come into fruition when Jesus comes back, which means his plan is never going to leave you. It's always right there. God will take our mess-ups and use them for good. Anytime you take things into your own hands, it doesn't catch God off guard. It's not like, oh, I messed up, and God's like, oh, oh, man. Oh, you've you, you done it this time, Vaughn. I'm gonna have to send, like, a lot more angels to help you out next time. Like, God doesn't do that. Like, God knows how you're gonna act, so he says... Man, Vaughn, like I knew what you were trying to do, but if if you if you if if you come to me and just lend your ear to my voice and follow my spirit that I have given you, I can reroute you to where you need to go. I mean, it, His Holy Spirit. And this is kind of going off scripture. His, his Holy Spirit is like is like a GPS. It's like Siri. You know how annoyed we get with Siri on our phone? Or if you have an Android, I mean, God will still love you, but you can always convert to Apple. Just um, kidding. But, like, you have that GPS voice, and you're saying, you know, Siri, take me to Walmart. And she says, best you know, routing to Walmart. And she gives you this layout. But you're like, oh, I'm going to take this way because Siri doesn't know what she's talking about. What happens as soon as you get off that beaten path? Rerouting. Rerouting. Wrong way. Wrong way. Like, oh, my gosh, Siri, like, just be quiet. Like, I know what I'm trying to do. And Siri's all the time saying, it says, you have no idea what you're doing. Just follow my voice. The Holy Spirit is doing the exact same thing. Hey, don't go that way. Don't do that. Don't do that. Rerouting once again. Rerouting. Rerouting. God, like, like I know I'm lowering my expectations to help you out. Like, I'm trying to help you. And the Holy Spirit says, you have no idea what you're doing. Just follow the path that I have given you, and it'll take you to your destination. Because that's how big God's plans are for you. So anytime we mess up, it does not mess up God's plans. Sure, we're going to live out some natural consequences for our decision. That's just what happens But God has already, he's been orchestrating the background to direct you. Just as in this part, he's directing Abraham and Sarah back on track. And Abraham and Sarah is going to learn some valuable lessons that I want to share with you. Lesson number one, here's a valuable lesson. Just because you don't see anything, doesn't mean God isn't doing something. Just because you don't see anything, it doesn't mean God isn't doing something. You see, we are people that we want immediate results, right? Like we want it now, we want it right now. We want results that we can see physically with our own eyes. And when we do that, we narrow in our vision and look so closely, we can't see what God is doing. It's almost like seeing a grand masterpiece that was painted. You go to a museum and you see this beautiful masterpiece. But if you go up to that masterpiece and you put your nose to the canvas, you can't appreciate what's really in front of you because all you see is blurriness of colors but you have to step back in order to see, okay, I see the picture now. We do the same things when it comes to God's plans because we, we, we want it now, and so we lower our expectations. And we put our nose to the canvas and say, God, I can't see what you're doing. God, like, it's blurry right now. Like, what are you trying to paint? You got to stand back and see what God is truly doing. Doing. I, mean, I learned this lesson when I first became a, the lead pastor here a few years ago, and I knew what God has called our church to, and I knew that it would be by his strength that he would see it done, and so I had really high expectations for God, like, like super, super high expectations for God and so the first week I mean I was just praising God and praying on my knees and just really super excited that you know God said he's going to grow our church and so you know if he says it, it means that this Sunday my first Sunday God's going to grow this church and I'm like I'm up here on fire and doing all this stuff and I'm and I'm praying on my knees and it's glorifying God and that first Sunday my first time we had 90 people woo! like I thought yes really good so I'm like, okay, if God's going to do 90, he's going to do like 3,000 the next Sunday. And so I'm like, I was doing the same thing. I was praying every single day. I even fasted the day before. And I was just telling my wife, I'm like, God's going to do some great. My wife, who's just a realist, and she's like, ah, you're going to fall really hard, but I'm going to let you do that. And so I'm like, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. Next Sunday hits 60 people. Okay, I lost 30. That's all right. We'll keep going. And so I'm like, okay, like this is just the enemy, like trying to distract me. I'm going to push through this. And who can be against me if God is for me? And seeing all these verses and this stuff. And, and the next Sunday, the third Sunday hits 30 people. Church, I split my church in a matter of three weeks on my first job. And so I go back and say, God, like, do you know how to count? Like, I counted, and and it's not happening, and and what's going on? And and let me tell you, we were at 30 people for that first year. And through that, I lowered my expectations, thinking, God, maybe I misheard you. Or maybe I messed things up. Or maybe you don't want to use me anymore. But here's the thing. Just because you don't see anything... Physically, right in front of you, immediately, doesn't mean God's not doing anything. You see, what happened is that second year, I thought, okay, like, I'm going to go to some, like, some systematic places, and I'm going to learn these things, and, you know, I will do it by my own efforts. What happened that second year? Failed tremendously. Tremendous. My second year was probably one of my hardest years pastoring. And I couldn't figure out, like, what in the world? And God spoke so clearly. I went to this revival in Scotts Bluff that I had opportunity to preach at. And the lady that got up there, she delivered a, a, a prophecy, and she spoke on Abraham and Sarah, just like we're talking about now. And she says, there's a key thing here, and this will be one of the last things that I say this morning. The key thing that you need to learn, but you're going to have to wait. And so I came back, and I said, do you know what? God, I'm going to do what I believe you called me to do and do the things that I know what to do. But anything outside of that, God, I'm just going to stick to you. And it wasn't until this year we started to see something change. You see, just because you don't see something doesn't mean God's not doing anything. And sometimes you're just going to have to wait. For us, it was just a couple years. For you, it may be a couple months. For Abraham and Sarah, it was a decade. Sometimes you're just going to have to wait. It was that time in the revival on Scott's Bluff, the story of Abraham and Sarah that really spoke. And here's the second lesson. And this is what she spoke about and I have it written in my Bible right next to it. It's something that I, I, I keep close to my heart. It's this, it says this. It says, it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. It's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. You see, uh, never, we never want to lose the principle of faith. Not faith in us, but faith in our God, faith in Jesus, that his way is higher than our ways, and even though it doesn't seem to fit our idea of timing, Jesus knows best, and Jesus will come through the exact, the right time. God is never early, and he's never late. He's right on time, right on time every single time. But sometimes we're just going to have to wait. As I said before, we tend to mess things up. And the the great thing about God is that his plans are so great, we can't mess them up. And if we come back to God and admit that we were wrong in the first place, he reminds us once again, just like he did with Abraham and Sarah, of the promise that he has given you. But he'll come through his timing. With Abraham and Sarah, God was going to give them a son, but not in the way that they expected. Look at Genesis chapter 21. Starting at verse 1, it says, The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he promised. So this is like maybe 10, 20 years later. And they're finally recording this. Verse 2, she became pregnant. She gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened just as the time God had said it would. Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham, check this out. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. You talk about waiting for God on his timing. Sometimes you might have to wait a long time. But let me tell you, it will always be better if you wait for God than trying to fast forward it in your own efforts. The fruit for waiting on God will outweigh every single time than you trying through your own efforts. It's through faith and patience that you inherit the promises of God. Here's the thing, church, and this is the third and last lesson for today. If God always met your expectations, he would never have the chance to exceed them. If God always met your expectations, he would never have the chance to exceed them. What was Abraham and Sarah's expectations? That God told them that they're going to give birth, but they expected sometime in the near future. So they did everything that we did. We were like, hey, let's come up with a grand plan and make it happen on our own timing. They expected that God would allow Sarah to get pregnant as soon as he made the promise to them. But if God met their expectations, he would never have the chance to exceed them with his original promise. It was the original promise that God was not only going to get them a son. Did you guys see it? Because they missed it, but He was going to give them a nation. It takes time to give birth to a nation. And a lot of times, the waiting season is this not for waiting's sake. It's actually for you to take advantage of and to grow in. Don't forsake the waiting season. Don't forsake the desert time. It was in the desert in a dry place with no fruit or vegetation that God told Moses what he was going to do through him. It was where Elijah had to gather by a brook and be fed and and, 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 and just, and just wait. That God finally spoke to him. It was Peter on top of a, on top of a house, just, just meditating, just waiting, that God finally said, no, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. You see, it's the waiting season that's actually very crucial for the promise that God's going to give you. It's the waiting season that's important. For myself, I knew what God wanted me to do, and when it didn't happen, when I thought it was the right timing, I took it into my own hands. But if God met my expectations every time, I would miss out on the growing process that is needed. Check this out, church. Don't tune out. That is needed for me to handle the promise. If God listened and did what I expected that first year and grew the church and I thought he should grow the church, you know what would have happened? I would have failed. I would have failed. Because I had no idea how to handle the promise of God. You see, the waiting season, is not just waiting for the promise. It's actually the season that God's going to train you so you know how to adequately handle what God is going to give you. It's the time to read the instruction, man. It's the time to really see, God, I know what you're going to do, so how do I can grow to be mature enough to live out in that promise? You see, I had no idea how to pastor and shepherd people So what if he did grow this church by the hundreds that first year? Because I've heard it happen. It's great for that church. But what if he did it in my life? I would have burnt out. I had no leadership skills. I had no pastoring skills. I had a lot to learn. Just like you, children of God, you have a lot to learn. Do not forsake the time in the wilderness because that's where God will speak the clearest to you. Don't let that time fly by. Here's the thing about exponential. In order to see something exponential, we need to get outside of our limited perspective. Genesis 15, 5. We don't have to read it, but I'll give you what happened. Abraham was in his tent, and he was complaining to God, just like as we all do. We complain to God. Abraham was complaining to God. says, God... You said that we were going to have a son. My wife's still not pregnant. You talked about birthing a great nation. And I, God, frankly, I don't even see it. And the reason I'm talking about this is because Abraham was inside his small little tent. So he couldn't really see anything. God had to get him outside to get the grand perspective of what he was doing. So God says, Abraham, get out of your tent. I want you to look at the stars. I want you to try to count them. Let me know when you can't anymore. Abraham counts one, two, three, one billion and one, one billion and two. God, what's what's after like quintillion? Like, I don't know how to get up there. And God says, that's my point. You see, my plan for you is so big that your descendants are gonna be as numbered as the stars are in the sky. You see how big my plan is for you? It's gonna take some time for you to grow to the place where that promise can come in and you know how to work through it. You see, God's promise for you is still there. But I want to encourage you instead of sitting in your room and complaining why like God's not working, step outside of your limited perspective and just look at God's masterpiece. And just say, God, I get it, I get what you're doing. That's when God spoke to me that says, it's not going to be done just in a couple years. You're going to be here for a while. That's my prayer. In fact, I told someone last week, I said, they asked me like, like, you know, you've, you've had some opportunities and some you know, potential interviews and all that stuff. And he's like, like why, why, how do you know it's God? Like, how do you know? Are those open doors for you? Or are those not open doors? And I said, at the end of the day, I just trust, my, trust the spirit that God's given me. Like, I believe he's going to call me here. And my prayer is that if I ever have to go, it's got to be a big blinking audible voice because I'm stinking stubborn and I'll stay right here. You see, the enemy will try to throw you off so many times from the promises that he has for you that sometimes you just need to trust the spirit that God has given you about his plans for you. Don't lower your expectations. Don't try to take things into your own hands. Just trust God. It's only through faith and patience that you inherit the promises of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this message. I just got a. it's just two things this morning. The first one is this. I just want to encourage you. I know everyone here, you've got a glimpse of what God is doing in your life. And I, I've gotten glimpses of what God's gonna do in my life, in my family's life, and it just seems like if it doesn't happen in the first few weeks, months, or even a couple years, I get really discouraged. I wanna let you know God has not forgotten about you. In fact, He's in the background orchestrating some amazing things in your life. And while you may seem like you're in the desert place and you're kinda wondering, like, God, are you even there? God is saying, you know what? Lend your ear to my voice, and let me develop you into the person I need you to be. Don't forsake the time of waiting. That's probably the most times where you hear God's voice the clearest. Here's the other thing. Is maybe you're sitting here and saying, you know what, I, I, I don't even feel like God's got a calling on my life. Like, I don't even know if this God thing is really real or it's for me. Let me tell you, this all starts with a relationship with Jesus. That's how it starts, and it's it's nothing really hard to have a relationship with Jesus. It's just simply saying, Lord, would you come into my life? Would you make me clean? Would you make me new? From this day forward, I will follow you. I just want to pray with you. If that is you saying, you know, what, I want to step into a relationship with God, would you just slip your hand up? Is anyone here? Yeah. Anyone else? a simple saying, God, would you just create in me a clean heart? Starting today, I'm following after you. And let me tell you, get ready for an exponential relationship with God. It'll be the best thing that you've ever done in this lifetime. Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you, God, that you have big plans for us, for each and every single one of us. But sometimes that means we're going to have to wait a little bit because that's how big those plans are. God, if you would always meet our expectations, you would never have a chance to succeed to exceed them, because that's how big of plans that you have for us. Holy God, I pray that we would hide this message in our hearts, and that we'd leave here encouraged. In your mighty name, everyone said, amen and amen, amen. Hey, ushers, if you want to go ahead and make your way forward, please. Come up, make your way to the front. Uh, If you have a connection card, the green connection card,